Well, good morning, and welcome to worship in D.L. St. Andrew's Church, whether you're here in church or at home or sitting in your caravan, whether you're, you're, you're dressed up here or you're wearing your pajamas, it doesn't matter. We're in God's presence together um, on this day. The psalmist gives a very simple instruction, but it's one of the most profound ones and one that we don't do often enough, but he says simply, be still. Be still and know that I am God. So as we come to worship before Razor sings for us, perhaps we should just do that. Just allow ourselves, wherever we are, be still for a moment. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Deliberately choosing turn our faces to God and say, may we hear you today. So let's just fall silent for a moment. still for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One is here. Come bow before Him now with reverence and fear. In Him no sin is found. We stand on holy ground. Be still for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One is here. Be still for the glory of the Lord is shining all around. He burns with holy fire, with splendor he is crowned. How awesome is the sight, our radiant King of light. Be still, for the glory of the Lord is shining all around. Be still, for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. He comes to cleanse and heal, to minister His grace. No work too hard for Him, in faith receive from Him. Be still, for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. When Isaiah saw the presence of the Lord in the temple, his response was, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord Almighty. And yet James invites us to humble ourselves before the Lord, and he will lift us up. Let's pray. Father, so often we don't take the time to stop. To stop and acknowledge who you are, creator of all that is, font of perfect justice and love. Because of that, Lord, we walk proudly, strutting about who we are and our own importance 
this morning we would come and we would ask that you would give us a vision of who you are in all your holiness and a humility about who we are. And yet, Lord, we also marvel and worship you because you call us to yourself. You invite us into your majestic presence. You daily call us to walk and come to you through a way that you have made by sending your son to die on a cross that we might be forgiven. We confess, Lord, that despite all of that, we, Lord, we don't come. We stand off. We walk and we forget. And this morning, Lord, we ask that you would remind us that we might be aware and full of joy for all that you have done for us. For Lord, you delight that we come. And today we would come and delight in you. Fill us with hope. Fill us with joy again in Jesus Christ as we pray the words that he taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. We're going to come to to read God's word together. And again, I'm going to just lead us in a psalm. We're using Psalm 18 this morning. And I'm going to read the first line and then invite you to respond. We can't sing, but we can at least praise God with these words together. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield, my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise And I have been saved from my enemies. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me. From my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Amen. And thanks be to God. Now I'm going to read from the book of James. We're, we're finishing the, the book of um, James today, and we've been on it for, for, for several weeks on our journey. In fact, I, I, I had the PowerPoint file for today, and I had put it as James last. Yeah. I was going to say those that are, are laughing are the musical ones, but um, yeah. Let's hear God's word then from the book of James. I'm going to read part of the passage we looked at last week, and then on to the end of the chapter. So I'm reading from verse 7 of the fifth chapter. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets 
who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance. And you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear. Not by heaven or by earth or anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise you will be condemned. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, And someone should bring that person back. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Amen. And thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word just now, as we meditate and reflect on it together, we ask that your spirit would guide us that your word might transform us. Amen. Well, as I said, we're at the end of the book of James. James, which is very much a book about transformed lives in practical ways. So I I thought I'd start off just with a a little observation. See these in children's books, and the caption is always the same. Spot the difference. Uh, I shouldn't have people calling out, so I'll not ask you, but can you spot any differences? Yeah? One or two? I'm not quite sure how many there are, but we play those games of of spotting the difference. What about this one? Can you spot the difference? Okay, I'm cheating. There are none. It's two identical pictures. They're exactly the same. Now, the point of showing you that is, is simply this. That James is very practical. And what James is saying to us as he, as he, as he goes through so much of, of our living is that if we have this faith in Jesus Christ, it should make a difference. It should transform the way that we live. Faith needs to show itself in, in deeds. Faith without deeds is dead. That is the huge message of the book of James. It, we've said before time and time again, this is not a book which spends a lot of time on deep theological themes. Those themes are there. They're presumed. The book's question is, so what? What difference does that make to the way that we live? But here is the problem. Very often, when you look at how Christians live, it's not that different at all. In fact, sometimes, you know, the, the, the proverbial thing of the Christians going to the church with a big Bible under their arm, although folk don't even do that now because they don't want to look different. But the question then becomes, is it necessary for you to have that in order to show that you're different? What is the difference that this faith makes other than the fact that you go to church? What difference does it do in your lives? And I've said a few times that that one of the dangers for Christians is that we live as practical atheists. We're not atheists. We believe all the right things. We believe the gospel. We believe in God. But 
it doesn't make any practical difference to how we live and conduct our lives, our affairs and everything else, other than we try to be good people, but so do plenty of atheists. And James is someone who has known the transformation of the gospel. James, and we said at the beginning, was probably the natural brother of Jesus. James didn't believe, and then he met the risen Jesus, Paul tells us, after the resurrection. And that transformed his thinking. He began to see his brother as the Messiah. He began to believe that Jesus is the one through whom God would change the world and alter everything. And James went on to become a leader and a teacher in the church in Jerusalem. And we know that from all sorts of sources. He took to heart the teaching of Jesus. And that we see as we go through this letter. We see echoes of the Sermon on the Mount. Of all the things that Jesus taught. He must have heard his brother teaching on many occasions. And all of those things are echoed in it. But the key bit is this idea that the gospel transforms how we live, how we treat other people, especially other believers, how we view poverty and riches, that we view them through the eyes of the teaching of Jesus and we view them through the eyes of God's heart for the poor, that it transforms how we speak. And that's a huge big theme in James, that there are words that we speak to people, particularly off the cuff and in anger in all these places, are a soul heart into what's in our hearts. Our faith should affect our future planning. We're not just conducting our lives and making our plans and our aspirations like the rest of the world, but rather we're looking for the will of God as we lead our lives. And faith should transform how we endure when things are tough. And we're going to look a bit more at that in a moment. Faith without works is dead. I've said it before, just that very simple truth. If you want to follow Jesus... You need to follow Jesus. We talk about Christians as followers of Jesus and the question that's really asked is, are you following Jesus? And I don't mean that from a, what do you believe or or what do you pray? I, I mean that from a, are you doing the things that Jesus did? Are you taking on the values and the heart and the love that Jesus had? The big theme in James, one of the other big themes in James is that Our hope in the Lord Jesus transforms our living also in in suffering. Jesus must have, sorry, James rather, must have known the sufferings that his brother went through, the story of the Holy Week. We can only use our imagination at this point, but we know that his mother Mary was there at the foot of the cross. What did that mean for James as he learned what had happened that week? Was he there in Jerusalem? We don't know. And yet, The transformation as he met the risen Lord. As he began to understand the hope that transformed not just the suffering his brother had gone through, but the whole of the hope of creation in his brother. And so one of the big themes in James right from the start is, how are we going to cope as believers? What difference is it going to make when things get tough? Not if they get tough, but when they get tough, for whatever reason. You see, there's two things that we can do when things get tough. We can, we can become bitter and impatient, can't we? And particularly in our modern culture, because one of the things that we expect when there's a problem is that there'll be a solution. Uh, and when there isn't a solution, whether it's a health problem or an employment problem or, or whatever it is, we blame somebody, don't we? We get impatient. The government should fix it. The, the doctor should fix it. Somebody should be responsible for what's happening. We become impatient because we want things now. And James says, well, if you have a hope, a hope that God will in the end sort every problem and dry every eye, then it begins to transform your impatience. The other problem is that we begin to grumble against God and against each other because of that impatience. And we saw this last week as we read verses 7 through 11, that if you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead, if you believe that one day he will come and there will be justice on the earth, if you believe that one day the sin will end, that the, the eyes will be dried, that there'll be a reconciliation of all things, that the creation itself will be healed, then that great hope gives you patience because you're not looking for results right now. That's not your hope, that things will be fixed and you can enjoy life next week. You're looking beyond that to knowing that all will be well no matter what you go through. 
And we spoke last week about the prophets. And the prophets, we know, suffered in, in a whole host of different ways. They knew what it was to feel the brokenness of the earth, and yet they kept persevering because they had that great hope. Jeremiah knew what rejection was, and some of us know that all too well. Ezekiel knew what bereavement was. Hosea had marital breakdown. Elijah had depression, spiritual depression. Job lost everything, his business, his health. And yet all of them endured because they trusted God, because they found God in the middle of their pain. In fact, as we read the prophets, we find not just that they had a, had a trust, but actually they were able to have a relationship with God which enabled them to come and share the frustrations and the anger and the pain as they walked through it. Now James comes in the passage we're going to look at today and he asks a simple question. Is anyone among you in trouble? Anyone among you in trouble? It's interesting, the the word he uses, I, I always like to throw in a little bit of Greek so that you know you're getting your money's worth. But the word he uses for trouble here is kakopathic. It comes from two Greek words, kakos, which just means bad, and pathos, which means passion or feeling. So he's really asking here, is anyone feeling bad? Anyone here ever feel bad? Is anyone on a downer? Is anyone scunnered? I like that word, scunnered. You just get that place of scunnered. Although, if you want to do even better, you can say, I'm cacopathic this morning. There you are. You can really show off. I'm cacopathic. I'm suffering from cacopathia. Fed up. Feeling hard done by. Anxious. Depressed. Grumbling. That ever fit you? If it isn't you this morning, it probably was you earlier today or yesterday or... You don't have to think very far back. Is anyone capacopathic? And the Greek here actually is much, much shorter than the English because it literally says, is anyone cacopathic prey? <laughs> very few words. Is anyone cacopathic prey? It's almost immediate. Just come to God right now with whatever it is. And James has been very unspecific. Just come and tell God. Whatever's going on, have that conversation. You know that bit where, where someone comes in in your household, your spouse or whoever it is, you say, well, what's up? Communicate, tell me. Let's share it. If you're cacopathic, just come and, and share it. And, and, and he goes on in, in the next verse, in, in the rest of the verse. It, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. And again, the Greek is much, much shorter here because what he, he literally says, is anyone in good spirits? Is anyone feeling good? Sing songs of praise. In fact, he doesn't say sing songs of praise. He uses one word for what the English has got here is let them sing songs of praise. Because what it actually says is, Sam. Is anyone happy, Sam? And actually, the two things here, when you put them together, are saying exactly the same thing. Is anyone down? Pray. Is anyone happy? Sam. And the thing is, if you think about the Psalms for, for just a moment, you realize that the Psalms aren't just happy songs, are they? They're, in fact, they're very often songs that start off really angry and sad and, and troubled, and then they move to happiness and joy. So, in a sense, as you put this together, what James is saying is, however you're feeling, whatever you're going through, just come to God. And it's not even if things are going well, come to God. If things are going badly, come to God. Because actually both of those things can be true. If you're thinking about James in the sense that he's saying right through this, that it transforms our suffering if we are coming before God. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you go through many kinds of trials because it produces deepness. That's right back at chapter one. It produces endurance. And you need to ask for wisdom. And here's what he's saying just now. Just come and bring who you are and live it before God. And it makes all the difference. You see, 
in the Christian life, there are two big dangers. One danger is things are going badly, and the other danger is things are going well. Both of those things can lead us away from God. If things are going badly in your life and you're impatient, then you can begin to feel abandoned by God and blaming everybody, get bitterness in your heart, and your spiritual life suffers. And we've all been there, haven't we? Just feeling completely scunnered by it and we move further away from God. You've been there? And the opposite is true as well, isn't it? Things are going gunners. Opposite of scunners. But things are going fantastically for you. And you're happy and you're joyful and, and, and it's great. But what does that bring in you spiritually? It can bring in, not rejoicing, it can bring in laziness, complacency. I'm fine, I don't need God right now. I'm off enjoying myself. And we've all been there as well, haven't we? Things going so well that actually, well, we might still go to church, but actually we're not really having to pray because it's fine. And you see what James is saying here? Both of these things can destroy you. They can destroy the way you are spiritually. So what you need to do, wherever you are, is simply live your life before God. Are you troubled? Pray. Are you happy? Sad. Whatever you're doing, have that communication with God. And the one thing you find in Psalms is it's full of communicating with God just however we are at that point. Again, what's in mind here effectively is this. Avoid practical atheism. Because practical atheism can manifest itself in living just the same as everyone else, but it can also manifest itself in this, that we believe in God, we believe the gospel, we don't spend any time with him. We're living our lives, conducting our affairs, rejoicing, weeping, whatever we're doing, and God's really not in the picture. Ten minutes on a Sunday, say a prayer, but there's no relationship. And I'll bet that all of us in our spiritual lives know what that's like. We've been there. In fact, maybe we're there now. Maybe we're there most of the time. It's interesting, if you read the book of Leviticus, I won't ask who's read the book of Leviticus. Um, I, I went through it a couple of years ago and Leviticus is actually fantastic because what Leviticus does is, is God gives his people as they go through the wilderness, that difficult place, this set of instructions. And it's full of, of laws for living. And again, it's, it's, it's like James in this sense. It's saying, if you believe in the Lord your God, it will touch every part of your life. So Leviticus talks about farming rules. It talks about money. It talks about justice. It talks about disease. It just talks about every part of life and brings God into everything that you're doing. You're eating, you're deciding, your festivals, you're, you're rejoicing, everything. But it doesn't just give you a set of instructions that will transform how you live. That's one bit of the book of James. It also gives something else. It gives you a massive set of instructions about how to put a tent up. (laughs) We bought a tent, um, which we're going to go camping in in a week's time. And yeah, we have to find the instructions and, and remember what to do. But if you read the book of Leviticus, it really is ridiculous. It tells you what material that the tabernacle is to be made about. Exact sizes, the furnishing in it. All these rules. Why is all this here? And here is the reason. That it's not just about a transformed life because of God. It's actually about the people having this tent that travels with them. That says we are meeting with God. We are in relationship with God as we move forward. We are the people who have God's presence in our midst as we face life together. That's what dictates who we are. So when the Israelites went into battle, they had the Ark of the Covenant before them. It wasn't a magical symbol. It was just remembering that God was with them as they faced this. And when they had trouble, they came to the tent of meeting and made a sacrifice that their sins might be forgiven and their life transformed. And when they settled in the land, they built a temple that God's presence would be in the middle of them. And it was a constant reminder just that they were God's people. And if you're God's people, you're a people who have a relationship with him because of what he's done. You praise him. You pray to him. You bring in your daily concerns. You share everything with him. Sometimes folks say, can I bring the really trivial stuff before God? You know, if you've got a relationship with him, you can go to him with the huge stuff and you you can speak to him when you can't find your car keys. It's okay. He's there in everything. And that's the... The the key to understanding what's going on here. Calvin said, there is not a time when God is not drawing us to himself. Draw near to God, says James, 
and he will draw near to you. It makes all the difference in the world. Prayer is not a technique. Sometimes we think about prayer and we think, how do I do this? It's a conversation. If you're angry with God and you can't find pious words, don't use pious words. Sometimes we think we have to be in the right mood for prayer. No, you don't. You just come into God's presence and tell him how you feel. He's a big God. He can take it when you're annoyed at him or frustrated. Be honest. He sees it anyway. What's the point in kidding on? That is the huge thing about prayer. Sometimes even the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, um, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, and he gave them the Lord's Prayer. And sometimes we try to use it in different ways as if it was a formula. But it just starts by saying, our Father. And if he's our Father, then we can talk to him. We can share where we are with him. In each circumstance, says Paul, I will praise you. I will pray. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will give thanks. And that's the other thing here. Um, You know, Thanksgiving is really important when things are going well. I don't know if you have the habit in your house of giving thanks before meals. Um, We have. Our hearts aren't always in it. Sometimes it becomes formulaic, but it's a constant reminder I'll, I'll let you into a secret in our house. We, we don't use long prayers. We say, thank you, God, for the food. Amen. It's as short as that, but it's just that daily reminder that this is God in this place as we, as we do that. And then this passage goes on. Nope. I keep putting these slides up and then forget to use them. He goes on to say, if you're sick, call the elders to pray and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, there's a whole load um, written about this, and I, I'm not going to say too much. On, on this passage is, is built a whole theology of, of, of anointing people for prayer and all the rest of it. But it actually is a very simple idea here. And it's saying this, on one hand, we've said, Individually, live your lives before God. Pray, you're happy. Sing, you're, you're happy. Pray if you're in trouble. On the other hand, this then goes on to say, here's the things that we should be doing together as we live this life before God. What are elders for? Well, today we keep referring to our elders as charitable trustees. They have to run the church PLC and make sure the child protection is done and the, the, the health and hygiene is done and the COVID restrictions are, are followed. But very basically in the New Testament, elders are the local leaders and they're charged with leading the people. And this is a reminder that the principal leading that the elders have to do, and by elders we're using that very loosely, anyone in leadership, is to lead people to God. That sense of God being among us. You know, we talk about pastoral care. Pastoral care is a shepherding image, isn't it? The pastor is the shepherd. And so we are to shepherd people towards the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect shepherd. If you're an elder here, your job is not to visit. It's to bring people closer to Jesus. And that doesn't need to be by by teaching. Some will be called to teach. Some will be called to, to do things like that. But all of us are simply called, and this passage will go right through this time and time again, all of us are called to build each other up and to cause each other to have that sense of, of Jesus. And yet we get embarrassed by this. You know, you, you're having a, a discussion about something about the church or you're sharing with someone about the trouble they're in. It should be the natural thing for us as Christians to say, I will pray for you. In fact, let me pray for you right now. And immediately people say, I, 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 I wouldn't know what to pray. Lord, bless my friend here. Amen. Lord, hear what we have just shared together and the sickness and the pain. Amen. We don't need great prayer techniques. We are simply saying right now to the person that's with us, let's just bring God into this. And it transforms so many things. It breaks through so many barriers of brokenness. Can I pray for you? Because the danger for the, is, is this. Practical atheism isn't just something that we do in our lives as we live the same way or something we do in, a, in our spiritual walk as we, as we walk as if God wasn't there. It's something churches can do. Churches can be atheistic. 
In that they talk about God, they preach about God, they believe things about God, but it isn't shaping their lives. We don't have God's presence among us. And that's not about amazing worship services. That's about every conversation that we have, every meeting that we have. Where is God? Where is the sense of the presence of God? For Jesus Christ died on the cross that we might have a relationship with him day by day. That we might know that we're forgiven. So we need to learn to practice that together. In our pains and sufferings, bring it all to God. Now, if you read these passages just in context, it it, it seems to say that if you pray, you'll be healed. The elders pray, you'll be healed. Of course, there's two things going on here. First of all, we believe all healing is in the hands of God. But if you read the whole of James right through, James is not naive about the fact that often what God does in suffering is not remove it, but strengthen us through it. And our hope is not in immediate cures, but is in that hope that we have that the Lord has given us. Yes, God does answer prayer, sometimes miraculously, and healings can happen. But that's not the only reason we pray. We pray because we're drawing close to God and we want to find him in everything that we go through. It's interesting that James uses this illustration of Elijah. And what you often find in the New Testament is is that a very few words are asking us to think about a whole story. Elijah was a person who prayed. And and the story which James alludes to here is is from, from, from the book of 1 Kings where Elijah prays that there is no rain brings people to their knees and then he prays that there would be rain and the rain comes. But it's interesting that he starts off by saying Elijah was a human being. Now, what did we think Elijah was and not a human being? What he's reminding us there in shorthand is Elijah was not just the big strong man that they remembered. In fact, such a big strong man that when they looked at John the Baptist, they called him Elijah because he was a huge man of faith and prayer and boldness. But when he says he's a human being, he's reminding us of the story of Elijah. We looked at it a few months back, that Elijah was also a broken person. Elijah had to be taken out by God and taught to trust. Elijah at one point was so broken that he was having suicidal thoughts. I want to die. And his prayer life wasn't just those big bold prayers. It was that he brought the whole thing to God and lived in the power and presence of God. Friends, I commend to you the book of James because it touches every aspect of life, particularly the difficult bits. And it calls us to look for God. Prayer, not something weird, not something difficult, but something that we do as we simply spend time before him. We're going to pray just now. And I'm going to simply invite you to bring whatever is going on in your life right now before God. We're not doing anything other than sharing with him what he already knows and looking for his presence. Let's pray. Is anyone in trouble? Pray. Is anyone happy? Sing. Lord, we thank you for that invitation to come and be ourselves before you. As the psalmist did to express frustrations and anger Repentance and joy. Deep calls from the heart for a change in circumstances. Confusion and questions. We bring before you all that we are. And we ask just now that you would fill our lives with you. 
we ask that today, in the days that come, we would remember that we are servants of Jesus Christ and he is with us. He died for us. He rose again and our hope is in him. But Lord, we don't just draw close to you as individuals. We draw close to you together. For you call us to be honest with each other, confessing our sins. You call us to pray for one another. You call us to encourage one another, build each other up, draw each other closer to you. And so we would pray just now. We pray for those that just are sitting around us just now. Some of our close friends, some we may not know as well. May they know your presence just now. Whether they are happy or in trouble, you know. May they find you in the midst of it. We pray just now for people, members of the congregation or Christian friends that we fear for. Maybe we've not seen them in a while. Maybe we are fearful that they have drifted from you. We don't know, Lord, all that's going on in their lives, but you do. And so we recall them. We bring them to you. We ask that you would bless them and fill them. And that wherever they are just now, whether they are happy or whether they are in trouble, that they would call out to you and know your love and your presence. We pray for our leaders, Lord. Those that lead all the different aspects of the life of this congregation. Grant just now, Lord, not just wisdom, and but grant them, Lord, to know you in all your fullness. To grow in you. To be transformed by you. And may they shine and encourage our whole congregation. And as we pray for each other, Lord, so we lift before you those that we know beyond this congregation that are in trouble just now. Those for whom home life is difficult. Those for whom health is a problem. those with stress or uncertainty in their futures. Oh Lord, we do ask for healing and for transformation in their situations. But we also ask that they simply might know you holding them, leading them, loving them. Lord, we believe in you. We believe your son died for us and rose again. We believe that he is the hope of the world, the healing of creation, the bringer of the kingdom. We ask, Lord, that those truths would fill our minds, that your presence would fill our daily awareness. And that your spirit would transform us. That we might become more and more like your son. Living, witnessing, serving, trusting, planning, spending. In all that we do. Amen. I don't think I have any...
announcements to make this morning. There was something, oh yes, DVDs. Um, Eric has put together a, a DVD of our lockdown songs. Sorry? A CD, not a DVD, a CD of all our lockdown songs. Lots of folk were singing for us in the lockdown weeks. And there is a CD of, I was going to say greatest hits, but I think they're all great. So there's a CD being produced. And if you would like a copy of that, if you can uh, let email the office um, or, or let Colin know and we'll, we'll get one. Are we, do, are we going to have them available in church, Colin? Would that be the plan rather than everyone needing to be mailed out? Will that be next week? At some point. Anyway, so if you want a copy of that, do, do let us know and it'll be available for you. And we meet on Tuesday um, for our midweek worship and there's tea and coffee after the service if you're able to join us then. But let's close our services now with a, a hymn which is obvious in light of all we've been speaking for. Uh, and Fraser's going to lead us in What a Friend. What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. <clears throat> Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrow share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Jesus is our only refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do friends despise forsake you take it to the Lord in prayer in his arms he'll take and shield you you will find a solace Now go from here and live your lives this week in the presence of God. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit go with you today and in the days that come.